Good morning again. How are we doing? Good to see you. We are uh, going through the third message this morning in our series now more than ever. We've been talking about uh, what our faith looks like in our culture and why a faith-filled living uh, a life that way matters now more than ever. And so in the first uh, message, we talked about learning to see life through the eyes uh, of faith. Um, like, what do you see when you look at your past or your future? Or what do you look at even today? Do you see the pain and the hurt or the despair? Or do you see God's mercy in his protection, in, in his promises, and in his presence? In the second, second message, we talked about the church and, and how are we doing in this comparison to the early church of Acts chapter 2. Are we being the church that God has intended, intended us to be? And then today, uh, we'll look at a third aspect of this faith-filled living. And it comes down to this. It really comes down to, to, to what are we doing? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, we all know the story here. Uh, the key to being the wise man is to do what Jesus tells us to do. It, it's seeing through the eyes of faith. It's not just speaking words of faith, it's taking action. It's taking steps of faith. It's planting the seeds of faith in preparation for a great harvest. And the principle is taught all through the scripture. What you, you, reap, what, or you, you reap what you sow, right? That's it. I always get those backwards for some reason. And you probably know these verses in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. That will he also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Passage here is talking about bearing one another's burdens. And actually, verse 6 goes along with verses 7 and 8. In verse 6, six Paul is telling the Galatian church not to be hesitant to, to share in all good things with those who teach them. And then Paul goes on to remind them of this principle of sowing and reaping. Uh, they're giving, they're sharing in all the good things with him who teaches. Isn't, he, he's saying it's not like you're throwing your money away. It's like you're planting seeds. Whatever man sows, he will also reap. When, when you sow destructive behavior, you reap what? Destruction. When, when you sow obedience, when you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life and blessings from the Father. That's why Paul goes on to say in, in verse 9, Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So as we wisely manage our resources before God under the principle of sowing and reaping, we need patience. And this is because the harvest doesn't come immediately after the seeds are sown. And, and it's easy but dangerous to lose heart or, or to give up. The work of doing good is hard and sometimes it's painful work. It's easy to lose heart when we feel like that, but it's exactly when we must hang on and not grow weary. 
while we're doing good. And you might be here today and you might find yourself in this place of weariness. Like, like I get it, life is tough and the last few years have not been easy for anyone except for Amazon maybe. <laughs> they probably did pretty well. But, but the rest of us, we're kind of in scramble mode, right? And so it's why it's so important now more than ever to approach these difficult situations and move forward in the future with a heart and a mind and a soul focused on our faith. And, of course, we know that God is in control. We, we know that in our hearts. That, that he causes all things to work together for our good and his glory. We know that, but sometimes, guess what? We, we, we forget it, right? We, we forget to look to the future with eyes of faith. We, we forget how important it is to be the church. We forget to follow through on actions that, that drive our faith. Now more than ever, we need to be a people who are actively seeking to do good. And we see negative examples of this in the headlines every day. We see those who reap a harvest of destruction with reckless behavior. But today, I want to look at the positive application of the principle. I'd love for us to consider just three areas in which we can sow and reap just a crazy huge harvest. So go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me. This morning, we're going to look at this passage in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. And we're going to see what we should do now more than ever. And this passage has a lot in it. I'm not going to get to it all, but we're going to pick out these three things. Luke 6, 27 to 38 says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away uh, your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the e evil but be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. All right, a lot here, but Jesus is challenging us to sow three kinds of seeds as, as we walk down this life uh, of faith. So let's take a look at, at what they are. So the first thing that we need to do is to sow a seed of compassion. 
There are two words that are often used interchangeably but are not really interchangeable, right? They're compassion and empathy. Both are good words. Both are essential. uh, But the compassion hand, I think, beats out the empathy hand every time. And let me tell you why I think that. It's because empathy can be described as the ability to identify with the experiences of others, to imagine what it's like to, to feel the way they feel. It's like when you say, I feel your pain, right? And it's good to, to be able to relate to what others are going through. But, but compassion? Compassion challenges us to up our game. Get compassion is the willingness to do something for the benefit of others. And at a risk of oversimplifying, you could say empathy relates to their feelings and compassion takes action. And in our passage this morning, Jesus calls us to a life of compassion. A life of kind and considerate action towards others. Man, I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that this week. And then Jesus takes it, he doesn't stop there, right? Then he takes it to the extreme. He calls us to be compassionate, not only to the people that we like and and like us in return, but he calls us to show compassion to those people uh, that, that don't like us. To, to those that you would consider enemies. That's tough stuff. He says, in effect, if you're good to only people who are good to you, nothing special about that, kids. Even non-believers do that. He wants his followers to hold themselves to a higher standard. Verse 35 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, for your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And I read that passage, I was like, hold up a second. Did he actually say lend to them? Did you catch that? Well, what's he talking about? Since God is loving and gracious and generous, even to those who are his enemies, guess what? We should be like him. We're living in a time when Jesus' commands here are so countercultural. We live in a time when, when, like, hating people is considered like a virtue. If you don't agree politically or, or if somebody doesn't fit the desirable demographic, the right society says just hate on them, right? When Jesus calls us to, to love even those that we might consider enemies, when we sow that seed of compassion towards others, what can you expect? Well, your Father in heaven will notice. Your reward in heaven will be great. And see, those people on the other side who often, we are so often encouraged to demonize and to dehumanize are no different than you and me. They are sinners in need of a Savior. Now more than ever, we need to be people of faith who are willing to go against the grain and actually love our enemies. So seeds of compassion at every opportunity. And I always say this, it's easy to say, but it's hard to what? It's hard to do, isn't it? It's just hard to do. Second thing we should do is to sow seeds of mercy. Everyone knows this next verse, whether you've been to church or not. Verse 37, judge not and you will not uh, be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. With this command, Jesus is warning uh, against passing judgment on others. 
Because when we do so, we'll be judged what? In a similar way. You know, among those people that I would say probably don't have a great understanding of the Bible, this verse seems to be the most popular, like I hear this all the time. Yet most people who quote this verse don't get exactly what Jesus is driving at here. They seem to think that Jesus is commanding a universal acceptance of any kind of lifestyle or teaching. And just a little bit later in the same sermon, verses 43 through 45, Jesus commanded us to know ourselves and others by the fruit of their life. Right? Some sort of assessment is necessary for us to do that. The Christian is called to show unconditional love, but the Christian is not called to show unconditional approval. And we can love people who do things that we don't approve of. So while this does not prohibit examining the lives of others, it certainly prohibits doing it in the spirit that it's often done. Like, like here's a biblical example for you. The, when the disciples were all over the case of the woman who came to anoint Jesus' feet with oil, remember that? They, they thought that she was wasting. And, and Jesus said that she had done a good work that they, and that she would always be remembered. And so they just had this harsh, rash, like unjust judgment. Got to thinking about that and, and, and how that relates to us. And I just think we break this command when we think the worst of others. Right? We break this command when we only speak to others about their faults. We break the command when we judge an entire life only by its worst moments. We break the command when we judge the hidden motives of others. I'm guilty, right? Anybody else? Okay, there's three. <laughs> Right, We break the command when we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. What would happen if we did this? If, what would happen if at every opportunity we were to say to those who have done wrong to us, I forgive you? What would be the result? Well, verse 35 and 36 says this, You will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. You know, most people are totally okay with the idea of God being merciful to them. Like we like that one. But we have a hard time with the idea that we, one, that God would, be mercy, would show mercy to somebody else, and two, that we actually should show mercy to somebody else. Which doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat, by the way. Let, let me clarify a little bit here. Showing mercy doesn't mean that the one that's held accountable for what they do, it, it, or it does, it does mean that with accountability comes restoration and reconciliation. And I think the temptation here is to like participate in the whole cancel culture kind of thing because it, it forwards this myth that we're better than everybody else. Right, like, like, look at me, I'm the virtuous one, right? I'm the gatekeeper of all that's right and good. And some actually believe that it is their job to call you out on it. Can I just say there's no room for that attitude amongst God's people? Now more than ever, the world needs to hear a shout out from the mountaintop, the, the message of mercy, 
that, that leads to restoration and reconciliation for those who have sinned. All right, the last thing that we need to do this morning is to sow seeds of generosity. Jesus said, verse 38, Given will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it will be measured back to you. I've said this before, and I think I should repeat it, that this is not all about materialism. This principle will work in our financial life, but, it's, but let's not forget it'll work in all areas of life. And it's true, it's been tested when it comes to generosity with material resource. Simply said, you cannot outgive God. Yet the most pointed application in this context, I think, is not so much on the giving of material resources, but giving with love and acceptance and forgiveness. See, we never lose out when, when we give those things after God's pattern of generosity. Jesus' illustration of this is, is pretty cool. The grain is, is pressed down into the measure, uh, in, into the grain bag so that it will hold as much as possible. And next, it is shaken together to make it fill every possible space. And then, not content with the full measure, the grain is piled above the rim of the bag, and it cannot be contained by the measure, and it spills out over to the robes of one's lap. This is the overflowing abundance of God's love and God's grace as we follow him. And then it says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's a principle upon which Jesus built the command, judge not that you uh, be not judged. God will measure to us according to the same measure that we use for others. It's a powerful motivation for us to be generous with our love, to be generous with forgiveness, to be generous with goodness to others. As I said earlier, Jesus didn't prohibit judgment of others. He only requires that our judgment be completely fair. And, and that we only judge others by a standard that we would also like to be judged. So when our judgment in regard to others is wrong, it's often not because we judge according to a standard, but because we're hypocritical in the application of that standard. See, we ignore the standard, the standard in our own life, usually. It's common to judge others by one standard and, and, and ourselves by another standard being far more generous to guess who ourselves right according to the teachings of some rabbis in jesus time god had two measures that he used to judge people one was the measure of justice the other was the measure of mercy and so whatever measure you want god to use with you you should use that same measure with others so we should only judge others' behavior when we are mindful of the fact that we ourselves will be judged. The law of sowing and reaping is true. If you sow compassion, you'll receive compassion. If you sow mercy, you'll receive mercy. If you're generous, you'll receive generosity. Now more than ever, these are seeds that we as a church need to be sowing. And the law of the harvest goes this way. You reap what you sow. Each seed produces fruit after its own kind. Apples make apples, right? You reap more than you sow. A tiny apple seed can yield a huge crop of many apples. And then you reap more than you, more than you sow. 
Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Let's just get to the third one, shall we? You reap later than what you sow. You don't plant the seed today and eat the fruit tomorrow. It takes some time to bring in the harvest. So, so if you're thinking you're here and you're like, yeah, I tried that, but it didn't work out. But to remind you what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so you may be here today, and maybe you're on the verge of giving up today. I, I, I can relate. I know how that feels. But I also know that when you're weary and over, overwhelmed, it's probably time to sow some seed. And so you may not be feeling it at the moment, but I want to encourage you today to move forward in your faith to see through the eyes of, of faith, to be bold and courageous in what you do for the kingdom of God as you put your faith into action. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today. God, my, my prayer this morning is that you would open our eyes to, to those around us, God. May, may we see the need that, that you place before us and may we have compassion and mercy towards others. And not just others that like us, God, but, but our enemies as well. Compel us, God, to listen and to hear their needs. And then, God, would you do something in our hearts? Would you change our hearts, God? that not only would we be interested in their troubles and what's going on in their life, but God, that we would provide and try to help out in any way that we can. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.